to the topic that I'm talking about. Okay, good. Uh, so the outline for the topic today, um, I'll be uh, mainly discussing the concept of uh, lipotoxicity, uh, the role that uh, abnormal fatty oxidation uh, plays uh, in the mitochondrial dysfunction. Uh, I'll uh, discuss a few of the topics uh, associated with uh, lipotoxicity as well as uh, treatments, uh, as well as mediators and pathways related to that. Uh, and I'll end up uh, talking about uh, some um, glomerular disorders that are APOE mutations uh, related. Before I move on, I just want to make sure again that uh, the reception is good and everybody can hear me well. Sounds good. Okay, good. Uh, so as you know, kidneys are uh, very energy demanding. Uh, per uh, gram of tissue, uh, the amount of energy required is uh, similar to what the heart requires. And uh, in the mitochondria, which are the energy producing uh, machinery of the cells, uh, lipids are uh, the main source of energy uh, and uh, fatty uh, acids, oxidation of fatty acids are the preferred source of, uh, source of energy, given the fact that uh, uh, with uh, uh, lipids, with fatty acids uh, in particular, uh, you can generate uh, more ATP than uh, with uh, glucose uh, oxidation. And uh, in particular, uh, the tubular cells and the podocytes are the ones uh, that uh, depend on this source of energy. Uh, again, oxidation of uh, fatty acids in the mitochondria. Uh, one of the, the theories uh, that's been uh, going on for the last uh, 30 years or so uh, is the adipose uh, tissue expandability. And basically what that is, uh, once you have uh, a lot of uh, adipose tissue in the body, uh, some of that uh, fat uh, starts uh, getting uh, deposited uh, in other uh, places, uh, organs in particular, and in our case, we're talking about uh, the kidneys. So basically what happens, uh, you have increased lipolysis of the uh, adipose tissue, uh, you have uh, increased uh, fatty acids uh, uptake, um, uh, normally by adipocytes, but when the amount of uh, uh, fat tissue increases, uh, that uptake uh, is uh, abnormal and uh, uh, those fatty acids uh, don't go into the adipocytes anymore. Uh, obviously, you, we're talking about uh, conditions where you also have an increased uh, dietary uh, free fatty acid intake, and all that uh, leads to an increased level of uh, plasma free fatty acids. And those uh, spill over uh, into the non-adipose tissues. And uh, everybody knows about fatty liver, but there are all the other organs that are involved, and that includes uh, kidneys, heart, and uh, other tissues like muscle. So coming, back, uh, coming to the concept of uh, lipotoxicity, uh, basically uh, what that is is that accumulation of those lipids, those free fatty acids in the kidney in our case, uh, leading to eventually leading to oxidative stress, uh, inflammation, fibrosis, and uh, apoptosis. Um, the tissues uh, uh, and the cells that are involved uh, in the kidneys, tubular cells, uh, and I'll 
I'll explain in the show better uh, what happens in the tubercells. Podocytes, again, the other cells that are very uh, high energy dependent. Uh, but there are also the interstitial cells. And some of the things uh, that uh, are shown uh, in this cartoon, uh, the uh, EPO production is affected. Uh, there is fibrosis, there is apoptosis, there is increased proteinuria through the tubular cells. Uh, there is uh, injury that uh, leads to uh, production of uh, reactive oxygen species, again, through inflammation. Uh, and uh, eventually, all that leads, I'm going to show you that, uh, to uh, progression of uh, chronic kidney disease. Uh, so there is podocyte injury, there is tubular damage, mesangial proliferation, uh, and things uh, that you see either in diabetes, either uh, hypertension or obesity uh, that are uh, the consequence of this uh, lipotoxicity process. So starting with the uh, tubular cells, and um, I'm going to direct your attention uh, here uh, for now uh, to just um, the black arrows, uh, ignore the red arrows for now. So what happens uh, with the fatty acids, they uh, get into the uh, tubular cells uh, either by endocytosis, uh, either uh, through a CD36 uh, transporter, uh, for talking either basolateral, either uh, apical uh, part of the tubular cells. Uh, and then you have this uh, pool of fatty acids uh, that uh, go uh, and uh, they uh, they get basically through this uh, uh, fatty acid acetylcoenzyme A uh, that allows them to get into the mitochondria where through a beta oxidation process uh, they are converted into acetylcoenzyme A and that allows them uh, to get into the Krebs cycle, and uh, that leads to ATP production. If you have an excess of uh, fatty acids, uh, they uh, basically get converted uh, to malonyl coenzyme A, and then again to fatty acetyl uh, coenzyme A, and then they go back into the pool of fatty acids. Uh, the, the other process that can happen when you have that uh, excess, they get converted into triglycerides. Uh, so that's the normal process. Uh, when uh, you have a, an increased amount of fatty acids, like in uh, any sort of condition uh, that's part of metabolic syndrome, uh, you have a larger pool of fatty acids, of course. Uh, and uh, uh, what happens uh, as a result of that, uh, you have a, a few uh, processes that I'm going to talk about. One is going to be the uh, AMP kinase, uh, the second one that I'm going to talk about, uh, uh, thyroxism, thyroxism uh, proliferation um, activator receptor here. And the third process uh, that I'm going to talk about uh, that's involved uh, here is the uh, malonyl coenzyme A. So on this slide, uh, what I'm going to talk is about uh, the inhibition of the malonyl coenzyme A, which uh, leads to an increased amount of uh, fatty acid uh, deposition uh, in the uh, mitochondria. This is the nucleus. This is the mitochondria again. And as a result of this uh, accumulation of uh, fatty acids uh, in the mitochondria, uh, normally the CPT1 would be, uh, uh, would, would be prevented from accumulating or allowing more fatty acids to go into the mitochondria. But given the inhibition of this, 
uh, that process doesn't stop and you continue to accumulate uh, fatty acids in the mitochondria. So that's one process that I want to talk about. The second thing uh, is because you have uh, increased lipid deposition in the cells, uh, that leads to an imbalance of uh, ATP needs versus production. So if you think of uh, injury in the kidney, uh, and then you need to repair the kidney, in particular the tubular cells. Or uh, if you think uh, of the fact that uh, lipid deposition uh, activates uh, inflammation and that leads to oxidative stress, uh, you also need to, to have an increased ATP production. And in order to uh, increase the ATP, because the Krebs cycle is uh, not enough at this point, uh, you activate this AMPK, uh, AMP kinase. And that uh, AMP kinase uh, basically leads to decreased uh, synthesis of uh, lipids, decreased uh, gluconeogenesis, and directs all the fatty acids towards beta-oxidation. Again, beta-oxidation in the mitochondria uh, would uh, lead to uh, produce more, producing more energy. So beta-oxidation of fatty acids. Um, and that all sounds good. However, when you have chronically increased fatty acid oxidation, uh, the process over time uh, leads to incomplete uh, beta-oxidation. And as a result of that, you do have uh, decreased energy production, so decreased ATP production. And those fatty acids that are not oxidated will deposit uh, in, the, in the cell and uh, you'll have all the consequences, the things that we talked about. So this process is actually a vicious circle uh, because on one side, you have uh, the lipids that uh, lead to the inflammation oxidative stress and the increased need to ATP, but uh, be, uh, chronically uh, that leads actually to a decreased ATP and uh, more damage uh, to the cells. So, uh, the third component that I was going to talk about uh, was the uh, peroxisome uh, proliferation activation. Uh, so the third thing that leads to the, or is part of this process, uh, is this, uh, this PPAR. Uh, so what happens with this is normally it is in the nucleus, the PPAR, but when you have injury, it moves into the mitochondria. And the role of the PPAR is to increase uh, production of uh, uh, protein-related uh, components that uh, affect fatty acid oxidation. So when, when the PPR moves to the mitochondria, those genes uh, are down-regulated, and then uh, the process of fatty, oxidation, fatty acid oxidation is affected uh, here as well. So again, you have three components that lead to abnormal fatty oxidation, fatty acids oxidation, and accumulation of fatty acids. And uh, those were the three things that I showed you in the tubular cells. However, uh, the same thing happens in the podocyte, and I'm going to show you in the next slide this. So when we have this, uh, what's called fatty kidneys, uh, basically uh, you have mitochondrial dysfunction, and uh, that affects the fatty acids, fatty acids oxidation resulting in lipid accumulation uh, that 
uh, is the initial process that starts this, but also the consequence of this. So that's why you have a vicious circle. You initially have lipid oxidation related to stress, related, sorry, lipid accumulation related to stress, related to increased intake or uh, metabolic syndrome, but also uh, the end uh, part of this process, you have more lipid accumulation and less energy production. So again, lipid accumulation leads to uh, activation of inflammation, oxidative stress as a result of that, excess uh, reactive oxygen species inhibits more fatty acid uh, oxidation and lipid utilization, and as a consequence, you generate more reactive oxygen species. And uh, the, all the consequence of that, mitochondria uh, basically are unable to produce more energy, and uh, there is decreased respiration and energy production. So again, that's uh, the, the vicious circle that happens uh, with uh, fatty kidneys. So as I said, in podocytes, you have a similar uh, process uh, where uh, you have uh, increased free fatty acid uh, levels that uh, spill over uh, and uh, result in toxin metabolites, resulting in, uh, in, in the uh, plasmic reticulum stress, uh, affecting the beta oxidation of uh, fatty acid, uh, and that results in the lipid accumulation, in particular triglycerides, uh, ceramides, and uh, diacylglycerol. And that, uh, again, leads to progression of uh, chronic kidney disease. In this case, uh, when we're talking about obesity and, uh, and or diabetes, uh, you have uh, the worsening of uh, those processes. Now, talking about the conditions in which this occurs. Uh, so I'm going to talk about diabetes, uh, obesity, and uh, polycystic kidney disease. Uh, so, really, the main point of this cartoon is to show you that in diabetes, besides the abnormal uh, metabolism uh, uh, of uh, glucose, you also have uh, dyslipidemia that plays as an important uh, role uh, in the progression of diabetic nephropathy. Again, similar things that we talked about, uh, impaired uh, oxidation of uh, fatty acids, increased uh, lipid production uh, and deposit, uh, deposition in the kidneys, uh, which uh, leads to those uh, diacylglycerol, ceramide uh, accumulation, eventually leads to cell apoptosis. Uh, the ad adipokine, uh, which is uh, a receptor uh, for, uh, for some of the lipids, uh, also leads to increase uh, adiponectin and uh, leptin and uh, the inflammatory process uh, is uh, amplified. And again, that is uh, part of the process that leads to diabetic nephropathy. So again, the reason to show you this, the same process that I showed you uh, earlier happens in uh, diabetes and is as important uh, as the consequence of uh, hyperglycemia. You can see they're basically uh, happening in parallel. Insulin resistance is very important here, and in a few minutes I'm going to talk about uh, the role of uh, insulin resistance. Uh, and uh, as you know, in type 2 diabetes, uh, that is important. Uh, and what I'm going to show you is that not only it plays a role in those uh, metabolic syndromes, but it also plays a role in uh, chronic kidney disease that's not related to metabolic syndrome conditions. So, again, in diabetes, uh, you have decreased uh, glycolysis uh, because of insulin deficiency or, uh, or resistance. 
you have the uh, ATP depletion, um, decreased energy production because of that. The pathway that I showed you, the AMP kinase pathway is activated, and I showed you that uh, the role of that is to increase fatty acid oxidation. However, again, long term, uh, with uh, that fatty acid oxidation, the process uh, becomes uh, incomplete, and as a result, uh, you have an actual decrease in ATP. Uh, that uh, also leads to lipid accumulation. So those fatty acids that are not oxidized anymore, again, lead to lipid accumulation. And I showed you, basically, we're talking about triglycerides, ceramides, and uh, diacylglycerol. So on one side, uh, lipotoxicity is the cause of mitochondrial dysfunction, but it also is the consequence. And again, the same vicious circle that uh, I mentioned earlier. Uh, the second condition uh, that I'm bringing up uh, besides uh, after diabetes is obesity. And same things uh, happen here. Here it's more clear that uh, you do have uh, a spillover of uh, uh, free fatty acids and lipids uh, in other tissues. And uh, uh, basically, again, you have activation of inflammation uh, resulting in oxidative stress uh, leading to fibrosis, uh, apoptosis, uh, insulin resistance, and some of the consequences are uh, hyperfiltration and uh, renangiotensin-aldosterone system overactivation, besides uh, albuminuria and proteinuria. The next condition uh, is uh, ADPKD. Uh, it has been shown that uh, polycystin proteins are involved in mitochondrial dysfunction. I didn't put the reference here, but I do have it. Uh, if you want to see it, uh, you do have you do have also reduced fatty acid oxidation, uh, and that's secondary to upregulation of the microRNA 17. Uh, it does regulate uh, the PPAR alpha. Again, the component that I showed you uh, in the in the tubular cell that uh, leads to downregulation or upregulation of uh, fatty acid oxidation process. So when you downregulate uh, the PTR alpha, you decrease uh, fatty acid oxidation because uh, you downregulate those genes. Uh, what also been uh, shown is that when you use phenofibrate, which uh, upregulates PTR alpha, you actually uh, slow PKD progression, uh, decreasing the renal cyst growth, fibrosis and you actually have improved kidney function. The reason it's not being used is uh, actually over time, you do have a decreased kidney function with uh, uh, fibrate. Uh, I said that I will uh, bring up uh, insulin resistance again, and uh, looking at, at the process of lipid deposition in the muscle and liver, uh, you do have the decreased response to insulin, uh, the pancreas trying to compensate with producing more insulin, and over time that leads to pancreas function exhaustion, exhaustion and uh, the insulin resistance. The important thing and the reason I'm bringing it up here is uh, something that I wasn't aware of is that in CKD, not necessarily related uh, to metabolic syndrome conditions, you also do have uh, insulin resistance. Um, it, uh, it, it seems that uh, 
CKB also induces uh, adipose tissue dysfunction. And again, that process, as shown earlier, leads to inflammation, uh, increased uh, adipokines and free fatty acids, uh, and uh, eventually insulin resistance. Um, urea also, something that I wasn't aware of, induces uh, reactive oxygen species and at the same time uh, affects uh, uh, insulin production as well as uh, response to insulin, so insulin uh, signaling. Uh, the reason I showed the, this here is uh, uh, that uh, in the adipose tissue, as a result of uh, renal failure, you have increased production of TNF-alpha. Uh, we talked about the free fatty acids that uh, deposit uh, in the kidneys uh, and uh, the inflammatory process uh, with production of uh, cytokines as a result of uh, uh, the increased activity of adipose tissue. So you may know that the adipose tissue, uh, it's not inert, it's a very active uh, tissue, uh, but you have production uh, of uh, angiotensin II in, a, in addition to all the inflammatory uh, factors uh, and uh, cytokines. So I thought it is important to show that uh, you do get or develop insulin resistance in CKD, again, not related uh, to metabolic syndrome. Uh, so what are some of the mediators uh, that uh, are involved uh, in uh, this process of uh, lipotoxicity? So there's a long list of mediators, and I'm bringing up just a few of them to which we have available drugs uh, that uh, could affect the process. So VGF-beta was found uh, to be elevated in uh, diabetic kidney disease. This is not a new uh, finding. Uh, but it was uh, interesting to see that in a mouse model inhibiting VGF-beta, uh, lipotoxicity is decreased and the podocytes are resensitized to insulin. And uh, over time, that uh, decreases uh, or slows down development of diabetes nephropathy, diabetic nephropathy. Uh, Fetine A, uh, you may know that uh, something uh, that, uh, some, that's decreased uh, in uh, CKD, it's one of those proteins that uh, prevent vascular calcification, but fetuin uh, A uh, aggravates, uh, so low levels of uh, fetuin A aggravates lipotoxicity uh, in podocytes as well. Uh, angiotensin 1-7 uh, is uh, uh, renal protective, and there are drugs that are being uh, developed that uh, uh, activate angiotensin 1-7 uh, and uh, was seen that with uh, those drugs, really preclinical studies, uh, oxidative stress uh, is reduced as well as inflammation and uh, lipotoxicity. Uh, KIM-1, uh, something that we are familiar with, is uh, upregulated and mediates tubular injury and the inflammatory response. As far as treatment uh, goes, there is a long list. Uh, one of, one of the papers that I was looking at uh, showing probably 20 or 30 uh, molecules and drugs uh, that are uh, being looked at uh, to affect uh, this process, uh, the lipotoxicity. So I'm going to show only a few uh, that uh, some of us are uh, familiar with and that uh, drugs that are currently uh, available. So uh, fibrates, I kind of talked about those, uh, not just in uh, PKD, but they're shown to prevent uh, the effect on tubular cells. Uh, and affect the dysregulated uh, lipid accumulation. 
resveratrol, uh, again, a molecule or co compound that we're familiar with, actually prevents uh, lipotoxicity in a mouse model. Metformin, uh, also been shown to be protective. Uh, and uh, there are two ways uh, to which it's doing it. Uh, GLP-1 expression, uh, this uh, GLP-1 is decreased uh, with lipotoxicity and uh, metformin increases its level. And already talked about the AMPK and uh, metformin is an activator of that. Um, don't know if Diana is on the call, but uh, curcumin uh, showed the renal protective effects um, and uh, inhibits uh, lipid accumulation and oxidative stress, again, through AMPK, as well as the NERF signaling pathway. The NERF uh, pathway is actually a very interesting uh, pathway. Uh, it's, uh, uh, in obesity, it was shown for, uh, for sure that uh, uh, NERF uh, signaling uh, is uh, affected. And uh, there are a few drugs currently uh, being developed. One of them uh, is Bardoxolon, uh, that we were part of a study in diabetes that affect that signaling pathway. So there are a few drugs actually that work on the, that pathway. Uh, vitamin D3 uh, in diabetic mice uh, improved uh, glucose control, uh, improved uh, lipid metabolism, uh, and uh, actually improved beta oxidation uh, and uh, autophagy. Uh, so that was a, an interesting uh, effect for vitamin D3. Uh, the last one that I'm going to talk about is uh, adiponectin receptor agonist. So I talked a bit about uh, adiponectin and uh, uh, its role. Again, it's a cytokine or adipokine uh, that's secreted by adipocytes. And I showed uh, on one of the cartoons that it is involved in fatty acid metabolism. It is decreased uh, in uh, diabetes in particular and metabolic syndrome in general. And there is now an oral synthetic uh, agonist that was shown uh, to reduce the lipotoxicity and uh, improve the insulin resistance, uh, as well as the uh, renal consequences of obesity and uh, diabetes. So that product is called uh, adiporan, and there are studies uh, on that as well. Uh, so that was the last one, but I uh, want also to mention the HGL2 inhibitors. And some of uh, the things that we've seen in studies uh, uh, on SGL2 inhibitor is that uh, liver uh, fat content is decreased, uh, and uh, there are actually sh shown an improvement uh, in uh, enzyme levels, uh, liver enzyme levels as well. So uh, it, those drugs weren't specifically studied for this purpose, uh, but uh, part of the current studies, uh, those were some of the kind of effects that uh, off-target uh, effects that have been noted. Um, another topic that uh, I wanted to, to bring up uh, is uh, uh, something that I wasn't aware that there are uh, glomerular diseases that are caused by a mutation in APOE. And uh, basically, uh, APOE mutations lead to uh, this uh, abnormal lipoprotein metabolism. And the two conditions that have been described are APOE2 uh, homozygote glomerulopathy 
and uh, lipoprotein uh, glomerulopathy. And I'm going to talk about those in the next uh, slide. Uh, so it all comes down to what happens with the macrophages in those two conditions. So uh, either uh, you have a hyperactivity of the ma macrophages, and that <clears throat> excuse me, and that leads to the uh, APOE2 homozygote glomerulopathy. Uh, basically, you have the position of uh, foam cells and uh, glomerulosclerosis, and I'm going to show you some uh, pictures on that. Or you have uh, the opposite effect, you have suppression of uh, macrophage activity, and uh, that leads to the lipoprotein glomerulopathy. Uh, this uh, uh, is basically characterized by lipoprotein thrombi. And uh, let's talk about each of those. So the APOE2 homozygote uh, glomerulopathy, uh, patients that are uh, homozygous for uh, APOE2, uh, and uh, what it was shown is that uh, they develop uh, glomerulosclerosis uh, with uh, infiltration of those uh, foam cells, uh, basically macrophages uh, uh, that uh, uh, have those uh, infiltrate, and you can easily see uh, as foam cells. Uh, the other uh, condition where you have uh, actually suppressed activity of macrophages, uh, it is a uh, heterozygous as opposed to the homozygous AP, uh, APOE mutation. This involves the LDL uh, lipoprotein receptor binding site. And what you see on biopsies, uh, you have dilated uh, capillaries and you have those uh, thrombites that are made of uh, lipoprotein. And uh, uh, really you can uh, uh, differentiate them by their uh, laminated uh, appearance. I don't know how often uh, uh, we're seeing this and uh, often we're missing those two conditions. Uh, but, uh, I thought that's something that, uh, it at least for me, it was new and uh, worth uh, mentioning. So the take-home points uh, for, uh, uh, for this uh, review, uh, number one, there is something that's uh, called the fatty kidney. And uh, I thought that uh, is something that's important given uh, uh, the fact that we don't talk much about it, uh, we are very familiar with the fatty liver, uh, but uh, there is uh, uh, lipid deposition, abnormal lipid deposition in the kidneys, as well as, uh, as I said, heart, uh, muscle, and other tissues. It is frequently encountered, the lipotoxicity is frequently encountered in uh, metabolic diseases, and it can be the cause or the consequence of uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, uh, in particular, the abnormal uh, oxidation of uh, free fatty acids. And uh, there is an abnormal lipid metabolism that's important in uh, CKD from diabetes, as important as it is in obesity. So besides the abnormal glucose metabolism, the lipid metabolism is uh, abnormal in uh, diabetes uh, as well. Uh, at the heart of all this is the mitochondrial dysfunction that I talked about and the uh, normal fatty acid oxidation and accumulation. The other uh, points that I made here, insulin resistance is present in CKD and not just CKD from diabetes. 
one of the other uh, uh, facts that uh, was new was that the process of lipotoxicity occurs even uh, after an episode of uh, acute kidney injury. So uh, you have the increased uh, ATP demands, and uh, as a result of that, you have the uh, increased uh, production uh, of uh, fatty oxid, fatty acids, increased oxidation of those fatty acids, and uh, that uh, eventually uh, becomes abnormal and uh, you develop the, the lipotoxicity, which could be a, a cause or one of the reasons uh, you develop a chronic kidney disease after uh, an episode of uh, acute kidney injury. All these processes are actually connected, as you can see, lipid deposition, inflammation, oxidative stress, fibrosis, and uh, autophagy. And eventually, you develop a CKD. And uh, again, this could be one of the pathways uh, that uh, leads to uh, CKD progression. Uh, remember uh, that the, there are two diseases related uh, to abnormal uh, lipoprotein uh, metabolism, in particular to APOE mutations. And in the end, I thought this is uh, very important uh, because to me that seems as a unifying theory on how either abnormal metabolism related uh, to diabetes or obesity or episodes of uh, acute uh, kidney injury or CKD progression uh, lead to this uh, vicious circle of uh, inflammation, oxidative stress, fibrosis, and eventually uh, further deterioration of uh, kidney function. That's all I have for today. Uh, questions? Yeah, I had a question, and I had to cut out for a few minutes in the middle, so I apologize if you went over this, but you went over some of the possible treatments that are being explored, but is there a way to make like a firm diagnosis that this is what's going on, like either by biopsy or some other imaging or something like that? Well, again, uh, it's not uh, uh, lipid deposition as uh, you would see, you know, in the, the, the fat tissue or, or uh, even in the muscle. It's more of a microscopic level. Uh, uh, or, are, or are you talking about the APOE conditions? Uh, what, uh, which ones are you referring to? Yeah, the APOE I could see. But um, if we're going to be giving treatments, are we just proposing trying this with all CKD patients? Or would there be some way to tell if some patients had this pathway being activated more than others or something along those lines? Yeah, so to me, uh, from, uh, from my understanding, after looking at all this, this will be uh, applicable to all CKD uh, patients. Obviously, the HGL2, uh, the, uh, the metformin won't necessarily be uh, used for, uh, you know, most of the CKD patients, but some of the others uh, would be used for uh, for CKD. And that's, again, that's the other reason I thought it's important. If you, if you can uh, cut uh, one of the processes that leads to perpetuating the, this uh, CKD progression that, you know, continuous worsening of uh, kidney function, despite even the fact that uh, you may have the, you may not have the initial injury still present, uh, that, that would be a significant uh, step forward, you know, having a non-specific, uh, meaning non-disease specific uh, treatment for CKD. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and another question I had, so when we look at obesity, 
specifically as like a risk factor for a lot of things, um, there's often this uh, kind of obesity paradox where the people who are high BMI tend to do better actually. And this is seen in CKD and ESRD. ESRD, I guess they've already lost their kidney function, you could say, but how, I guess I'm always confused by how that makes sense given all the, all the molecular things that suggest that obesity is so bad. We don't tend to see it as much when we look epidemiologically at obesity. So I'm not going to give you the official answer because I don't know what that is. But uh, first of all, I would say the obesity paradoxes, uh, and I'll put a quotation marks there for paradox. Uh, it's seen uh, mostly in uh, ESRD, not not CKD. Uh, and I think the reason for that, and my answer uh, to that, is the fact that uh, the alternative for ESRD patients and mo most of the patients is actually malnutrition, and uh, there is a there is a uh, stronger correlation between uh, uh, malnutrition uh, and uh, that in uh, in ESRD, uh, and uh, the the way I look at it, it's probably out of two bad things. It's probably better to be obese than, uh, and obviously that's a form of uh, malnutrition as well. But it's better to be obese uh, than to be uh, uh, malnourished. Uh, uh, from the point of view of uh, low protein and uh, low uh, fat stores, the, uh, so out of the two bad things, I would it, it, to me it seems, and that's my interpretation only. It seems that's better uh, to to have obesity. Don't know if that answered your question, but uh, I'm I'm sure there is uh, some more research on that. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks, Moni. Thank you. Okay, if no other questions, thank you. Thank you, Moni.